Welcome to the Functional Medicine and Natural Healing Podcast, where we share the secrets to upgrade your digestion, improve your hormones, restore your immune system, and detoxify your body. I'm your host, Dr. Houston Anderson. Now let's get started. The following discussion is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or disease process. Always discuss any medical treatments or medical interventions with your personal physician. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dr. Houston Anderson, and I'm here with Dr. Gabe. And today we're going to answer your questions that you submitted on Instagram um, on essentially thyroid. So some of these are always, always they get interesting, but uh, we'll see what we can do here. Um, and we'll just jump right to it so you guys don't have to waste any time. Um, and I think the first question is probably the most applicable to the last podcast where we should definitely review some of those things. But the question is, why does T3 and T4 not convert or is not improving when the TSH is normal. So can you give me a couple scenarios, Doc, where that might be a scenario that could, you could see in your office? So I think that goes back to just conversion issues in general. So it has nothing to do with the thyroid itself. It's like the, the liver, the gut, the periphery, something's going on there. So whether it's reverse T3 problems, where, I mean, generally it's inflammation, things of that sort, that's causing reverse T3 to be an issue, or we're looking at just general conversion issues, so like need for zinc or selenium or something like that. Now, of course, there's some other things that could be affecting it, um, especially like what do you mean by TSH being optimal? Yeah. Um, because I've heard, like I was listening to one functional medicine doctor, and he said anything above, I think, 0.25 or 0.5. And I was wow. like, no, that's low. That's actually low. You need it above 1.8 because we forget that anything below one point eight generally is like blood sugar or something else is messing with the thyroid. And then you're going to end up with some hypothyroid type symptoms. Even though TSH is not jacking up and going high. That's interesting. Yeah. So the only caveat I I find is like when people are medicating, it seems like their TSH should be a little bit lower in order to get quote unquote, the hit or the effect from the drug. uh, Because obviously we know the drug's not going to do exactly what the body does by itself. So sometimes I'll see that. Yeah. Cause I, I do tell people one to three is a solid range. If you're just struggling with thyroid things um, though, I'm not saying it's perfectly optimal. And in fact, I really struggle with saying numbers exactly, but, but I do like that you say when it gets too low, we have other problems that we're dealing with. Right. Yep. Yep. And then you can run into these and, and we have to ask all those questions too. It's just like, we don't know for sure which one it is. Right. And like, like you said, one to three, like that's that I'm fine with that range too. If the person is feeling okay, right, and there's no other issues showing up, but yeah, generally speaking, if I see it below 1.8, and then they're complaining of different thyroid type symptoms, and I'm like, okay, we need to investigate that. Yeah, if if, if I look into that question and I kind of think like, what was this person trying to ask? And once again, I don't even I don't even know who the, who the questions are coming from, and I actually try not to worry about who they came from. That way, I give an answer that's applicable to all people, but. Um, you know, it almost makes me wonder, are we being too crazy about our T3 and T4 when the TSH is normal? So let's just say your TSH is a beautiful 2.0. And then your doctor's like, oh yeah, but your T3 is not optimal. So they might start to medicate you. So my biggest thing there, and and when I'm saying medicate you, these are like holistic doctors that are a little bit too into medicating for thyroid medications. Um, And so my thought is this, yeah, if your TSH is normal or in an optimal range, we're throwing out numbers like one to three, if you feel well, um, and your T3 and T4 are off, what you're looking at is just like you said, the periphery, 
Go and attack some other health problems. See if it normalizes, but don't mess with the thyroid too much. Make sure your liver feels good. Make sure your digestion's working well. Make sure that you're, you, you don't have systemic inflammation. Like you said, some type of immune disorder that you're just like, ah, oh, man, all my, all my joints ache all the time or, or something like that. Um, no other signs or symptoms of inflammation and then come back and retest that T3 and T4. And you'll find that if you fix those problems, usually it comes right in the range that you're looking for. So what you're saying is we should be actually holistic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we shouldn't prescribe just because we have a thyroid in our body. Um, okay. Um, so cool. So let's go to the next one because this, this is a pretty good question. Um, it says, how do you shrink your thyroid nodule on the right side specifically? But I think it applies to both sides. But um, yeah. how would you how would you shrink a thyroid nodule, Doc? So it's kind of interesting. In the last couple of weeks, I've had a few Hashimoto's cases that have popped up and each of them were complaining initially of like a goiter. So right. just an enlarged thyroid and like knowing the history of the family and stuff like that, I was like, uh, we, we need to run these tests. We need to right. know for sure. And sure enough, Hashimoto's. So Really, we got to figure out what's going on in the first place. Do we have some inflammation? Do we have uh, something related to like Hashimoto's, or is there some other type of inflammatory mechanism going on? And then, of course, there's the all iodine thing. If it is true iodine deficiency and you're actually getting like a goiter type thing, that should be investigated too. But generally, I'm going to go probably with a nodule, I'm going to be going after like inflammation more than anything and then trying to figure out okay is it Hashimoto's or is it general inflammation is there something else going on elsewhere that's causing this to come about that sort of thing long before of uh, thinking something more insidious which is often overdiagnosed yeah so I, I think I think yeah I, I think you're right I think when we're talking about shrinking nodules I'm first thinking immune inflammation um and you know why? Why is something attacking that thyroid? Is there some type of viral infection that kind of penetrated that tissue or something like that? Um, and and then kind of going from there. Underlying in the question once again, just me thinking about this patient, whoever this may be, like is if you're looking for a quick fix for any thyroid, anything, you really shouldn't be looking into holistic. And I think that that's where a lot of people come in. They like, well, my friend got on thyroid medication. I want to do it natural. So give me the natural medication. You know, mm -hmm. it's like hold on a second here. It doesn't work that way. If you want to address your thyroid health naturally, then you need to completely like revisit the story of how did you get here? Um, so, so sh shrinking a nodule is not just, you know, take something, but yeah, definitely things like, you know, converting factors like a selenium or zinc would help. Um, definitely selenium has great research on, on decreasing TPO antibodies. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just mean, by it itself. Glutathione. So, I mean, that alone, can be super helpful. Correct. And glutathione itself can help, but I would much prefer selenium and the thyroid in general. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. That's kind of uh, what I was just meaning. Like it's going to have like a double effect. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So yeah. So just uh, address immune inflammation is kind of like both, both what we're saying there, but generally speaking, once again, find the inflammation somewhere in the body. All right. Uh, best diet and lifestyle. Uh, and we'll hit the, the next one, B best diet, lifestyle and support after thyroidectomy. So we don't see these patients as often probably. Um, okay. but, but what do you think, doc? What, what should we do after we've had our, our thyroid removed? I mean, generally, if I have somebody along those lines, it's, um, they're still feeling pretty cruddy afterwards, but usually it's just like a lobe ectomy, not like the full thing. 
Right. Um, so that's diet lifestyle. I mean, paleo, if there is like, if the whole reason for it to be removed was something similar to um, Hashimoto's or something along those lines, of course, looking for food intolerances, et cetera, as we've previously discussed with autoimmunity. Um, but generally speaking, it's eating a whole food, good paleo lifestyle and having a subsequent lifestyle kind of similar in the sense that you're outside in nature, you're cleaning up your environment, you're trying to be, uh, you drink filtered water, you're not drinking out of glass or uh, plastic water bottles or anything like that. You're drinking out of glass or metal and just doing your typical overview of like natural health uh, lifestyle, really. Like the way that I try to live, the way that you try to live, it's yeah. an entire lifestyle change, which goes back to what you were saying earlier that coming to a natural doctor, coming to a holistic doctor, people do come in with this expectation that is somewhat similar to um, medicine, Western medicine, and they just want that quick fix. And it's like, uh, you're, you don't understand, like we don't intervene in the body processes. We work with nature and working with nature requires you to actually meet it halfway, if not fully, where you actually are working uh, to uh, better your lifestyle, better your diet, better everything so that nature isn't necessarily being compounded or beat up or messed up because of uh, eating junk food, going to McDonald's and everything, everything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. When, when I think about that question, I think, okay, the first thing that most people do is they have their thyroid moved and, and they think that it's been taken care of. And I, I thought, yeah. oh yeah, like you actually still have to discover the reason why you needed a thyroidectomy in the first place. Um, the same goes for the gallbladder. I hear that all the time. Well, I already had my gallbladder removed. How could I have a gallbladder problem? Well, you had a gallbladder problem. Did you organ? <laughs> you just removed the symptom, right? You just removed that symptom and cut it out of your life. But the problem is still there because the problem was never the thyroid in most thyroidectomy cases. Uh, you know, like we've talked about in the previous podcast, primary thyroid disorders are very rare. Yeah. Uh, so then, so then, okay. So that's the first thing is I would say, like, you still need to figure out why you got sick in the yep. first place. The second thing I would say is now you're on a medication for life. Um, usually, I mean, if you're only having a small portion removed, but say you're having, you know, a large portion of your thyroid removed, you're on medication for life and you don't have as much thyroid glandular support of your natural ability. I would say, pay attention to your dosages, pay attention to your conversion. So if you're just on like a level thyroxine, you just have to work with your doctor to make sure that you're checking those regularly um, and you still have to support converting organs. You still have to get your liver and your gut healthy in order to do those things. You still have to have um, nutrient levels intact to support the adrenals so that they can function with your new lack of thyroid, which are going to take a bigger toll now because the thyroid can't take the toll. So once again, I think maybe you think thyroidectomy, nothing left to do. Thyroidectomy means now you have more to do. Um, and that's that's. Yeah. If they communicated that before they removed the thyroid, or if they gave you those options originally, instead of waiting until the time when you needed a thyroidectomy, um, then maybe people would have taken more lifestyle changes. But that's kind of where we run into that problem. So, yeah. I mean, uh, similar to a hysterectomy. Yeah. Like a, a full hysterectomy. Yeah. I, I mentioned gallbladder, but the same would be with hysterectomy, right? You had I a was just thinking because it produces hormones just as much as thyroid's producing hormones. Yeah. So, so I, I was thinking like, you know, you, you get, um, I don't know, polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, um, or you have endometriosis. And so they go and do something, maybe even completely remove it. I've, I've seen 25 year olds with their entire uterus removed. Um, yeah. 
what a shame. But point is, now that that's removed, you you aren't done with your problem. You still got to go back and fix what you, was wrong with in the first place. And you have to now babysit it more than you've ever babysitted it yep. before. And you're actually in a worse spot overall. Now you may not have the symptoms, which trust me, I know people want relief from that, but it's it's they're stuck in a place now where they actually have to definitely take care of their health more. That was their one chance. It's going to go to another organ if you don't take care of your health. So it's just a matter of following up on those things. 100%. Um, I think you covered overall good practices to maintain a healthy thyroid, really diet, stress, nutrient levels, you know, female hormones, adrenal hormones, and thyroid hormones. Pay attention to all three of those and you'll be pretty good. Any other thoughts on general practices for a healthy thyroid? The only other thing that popped in my mind was just thinking about iodine. I know, you know, there's that small risk that iodine can exacerbate a Hashimoto's case, but if you've done everything to get that under control, you're usually not going to have an issue with iodine, but having a good liquid iodine, like I use ISOL, um, for a liquid one, but just doing like a small dab of it on your forearm and then watching it for six hours. And if it absorbs before that, you need iodine generally. And All right. So, so, so re- review that test for them. So this is essentially an at-home thyroid test or sorry, yeah. at-home iodine test you can do. How do you, do you do it in your office or do you send patients home with I it? I do it in my office just because I have a little liquid roller. And so I just put it on their arm. Of course, you, you, you want to have like a paper towel there if you get a little bit too much because you don't want to get it on your clothes. It'll stain your clothes. But uh, yeah, just a small circle. I mean, we're talking about the size of a quarter uh, and then just kind of dab it so that it's not like overly wet. And then you just watch it for six hours. And if it absorbs, like it's completely gone in six hours without you obviously washing it or something like that, um, then that's a good indication that you need iodine. And then you might just want to supplement with iodine, talk to your doctor about iodine, that sort of thing. But I mean... I don't give like a high dose or anything like that. I think it's like 400 micrograms or something. I can't remember off the top of my head. I yeah. use a couple of different sources of iodine. The ISL, I do one drop in a glass of water a okay. day if they need it. Otherwise, it's like for general maintenance, like one drop every three days or something like that. But yeah, that's that's just my two cents there. And iodine's huge, especially for females, because it's a big part of ovaries as well. Yeah. So big, big thing on iodine is it does competitively. We talked about this in the podcast, but last yeah. podcast, but it does competitively fight for spots on cells. So I like that low dose, maybe a drop every three days, um, pretty much for almost everyone. Um, and then paying attention, obviously, if you feel like your throat is itchier, inflamed, and maybe that thyroid back there start having difficulty swallowing, you might want to, you know, work with a practitioner on that. But um, iodine salt does not count. <laughs> yes, iodine salt does not count. Um, and so a lot of people do say that, hey, I add salt to my to my food every day. Um, and honestly, that doesn't count for electrolytes either, but we'll do that in a different podcast. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So how to heal thyroid and stay off medications if diagnosed with hypothyroidism is the next question. Let me just say most... I can't think of one right now of a patient that came in with any reasonable level of thyroid disorder that had to go on a medication in my office um, if we had enough time, meaning like three to six months. Um, So I don't see it a lot where we have to get people on, but essentially my thing is they need to take a step into getting healthier right away. um, And it needs to be aggressive. They need to go all in rather than like, Oh, well, you know, I stopped eating McDonald's, but I just eat at healthy fast food restaurants now, um, if that's a thing, right? Um, so <laughs> that's not enough, right? If you're having thyroid problems and you really want to not be on a medication ever, you got to go pretty hardcore at it. 
Yeah, and I I would agree. I don't really have much else to say other than what you just said. And I mean, I think that goes with the next question too. It's the same type of thing. You got to get a healthy lifestyle going on, and you got to be somewhat, um, like you said, aggressive in that approach. You got to jump on it. I mean, when we're dealing with patients, like it, it's still aggressive, even if it's a couple weeks in that we're pulling things off slowly. Um, but we're changing stuff. Like you're moving to whole food, good, uh, good quality foods. You're removing any of the things that are inflammatory generally, but then we're looking, looking for the major food intolerances. And so you got to remove all those things and you got to be uh, constant. Like people always ask, well, can I bring gluten back in? It's like, no, like once this is done, it's done. Like you're not going back, generally speaking, like maybe three years down the road, you can have some sourdough organic bread once without it going <laughs> nuts. But you, you can't just go right back to that stuff. It's done. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that essentially oftentimes when our thyroid disorders develop, it does mean that we're at a point of health where it's going to take a long time to rebuild that health. Um, and, and same with energy, people come in with energy problems. And yes, while I have home run cases, um, it's rare that I'm going to tell someone, Hey, yeah, we can get you out of your chronic fatigue in a day or two. You know, it's more like, Hey, hope for six months. And in a bad case scenario, you're more like 12 months, but slowly, but surely every day you'll have a little bit more energy. The thyroid is going to be the same way. Slowly, but surely your thyroid health will recover. Once you start to eliminate the antibodies, once you start to um, get your lab normals in range, once your liver's clear, once your gut's better, once your hormones are balanced, then your thyroid will start healing. So I think those are pretty important ones there. Um, root causes of Hashimoto's hypothyroidism um, of non-Hashimoto's. So something that's not autoimmune. So not food, not infection. What do you think, Doc? So top of the list, generally that I see is blood sugar. But estrogen is going to be up there, too. So we're going to have some high estrogen issues um, or just hormonal. Let's just put it really kind of general there. Hormonal yeah. problems. Um, conversion issues aren't really top of the list, but I mean, I do see them from time to time. And then um, stress, like kind of general stressors to the body is, are going to cause hypothyroidism for sure. Like there's definitely some other ones. Like I saw relatively recently somebody with low dopamine. And so okay. because they had a dopamine deficiency, they had hypothyroidism. Um, that's, I mean, one in like the last several years. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty but still, um, those are some of the big ones that I would see in my office would be hormones, blood sugar, and then like kind of general stress. Yeah. So you could do like a secondary, I'm thinking secondary brain, like a, a you know, more like a pituitary issue that's not really hypothyroidism. Um, real, so, so I guess to answer this question directly, the, the answer is that non-Hashimoto's hypothyroidism is like Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, which is, it's not really the thyroid. Um, yeah. but, so we can see it. It's, it's another problem. Um, when you were going through the different things that you said, it's like, I, I think those are all accurate that I think if you can look, go through your lifestyle and figure out what's the most chronic of those, you know, have you yeah, been, yeah, have you been eating bad for a long time? Okay, well, then it's probably that. Have you had lifestyle stress for a super long time, maybe a really bad marriage or a horrible job? Um, if it's only been a month or six months, okay, whatever. Like the body can handle some stress. But if, if you can go back in your life and say like, hey, this has really just worn me down over a long period of time, that may be the guy that's kind of uh, the, the obvious one to, to start doing things with, I guess, is, is the way. I think that's why I would put estrogen and blood sugar at the top of the list because they're so stinking common. That yeah. 
you better think about them first and then start going on the other ones. And that's just common general practice. It may not fit everyone. Well, yeah. And if you think about like, how long has someone had insulin problems? Well, how long have they been gaining weight? You know, years, yeah. um, take an estrogen issue. How, how many, how, so obviously females have more ha- uh, Hashimoto's and thyroid disorders. Um, but how many of them say their periods have been bad since they were 12? Yeah. 15? Half of them, at least, you know, um, yeah, at least. So, so it's like, they've had that hormone imbalance. Now, once again, not necessarily their fault when they're 13 years old. Right. Um, and we, we have a lot of girls in my office right now going through different transitions and we're trying to figure that out early rather than when they're 35 and can't figure out their patterns or before the doctor tells them that they have to go on birth control to control their hormones. Um, so that's kind of a, an interesting one there. All right. Uh, how to reverse Hashimoto's. I'm going to refer back to the last podcast. Anything yeah. you want to add to We're that? Uh, depth there. So, so yeah, I, it's a great question because uh, reversing Hashimoto's is important, but generally speaking, you know, all the things that he mentioned in the last question, um, and then once those are all good, and once your thyroid has the nutrients that it needs, you're addressing a little bit of inflammation or immune dysregulation is a better word, almost like resetting that immune system at the end. So you have all these problems you got to fix, then reset or calm down the inflammation of the immune system, balance it out. And that's what's going to kind of like finally reverse the Hashimoto's or the tendency towards it. And then you just manage flare ups from there on, like, because we're all humans and we're going to be affected by something. Yeah. I mean, they're not that common, but a flare up can happen. So it's on the table and you just, you know, that's where we as natural doctors is like come in for a checkup periodically if you're feeling like junk come in for a checkup otherwise generally it's going to be pretty good yeah i mean i I would say that for almost any diagnosis if you actually have a diagnosis uh, you should probably be working with someone if you're just like hey i have general malaise or fatigue okay you can go at it by yourself go off some of our recommendations but if you know that you have hashimoto's elevated antibodies your time is limited i mean your your thyroid is getting destroyed every day so you might as well do something and go see a doctor so that you can find someone that can help you start getting on that story. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's hard to find good doctors. Um, you can always reach out to us. We do our best to find people for you, um, but it, it is hard. I mean, we can't find an excellent doctor in every city, hence why we both still offer phone consultations. Yep. All right. Last question of the day. Uh, and we want to divide it into three. How do heavy metals, parasites, and candida affect the thyroid? You want to choose any one of those, Doc? Uh, let's go with candida. I mean, we see it so stinking often. I mean, it's going to kind of apply for everything. Like, generally speaking, you're going to see two major avenues going towards autoimmunity, in a sense. Because um, that's what I'm going to look at with these three. I'm going to think autoimmune. Yeah. Um, if that's on the table. Obviously, Having a candida infection or any infection is going to cause you to feel kind of malaise, like that fatigue. You're not going to feel very good. And your thyroid is going to have a secondary effect there. A heavy metal is probably even too. Um, but I'm going to go from an autoimmune standpoint that with candida or any of these types of things, you're going to end up with most likely, whether from it or something else, leaky gut. And with leaky gut, you're going to wind up with inflammation that is going to turn systemic. And then you can run into what we've talked about before, molecular mimicry, where your body is going to not mistake, but broaden its search for this foreign substance. So candida, so this uh, fungi, 
and then it's going to end up attacking the thyroid in the in the pro- process of trying to get rid of this issue. And with that, then you got some autoimmune issue stemming from a fungus that needs to be eradicated. Once it's eradicated, immune systems balance, things go back to normal. And like you see that with other infections. Like I wrote an article on my website about H. pylori, a case study on H. pylori causing alopecia areata. So an autoimmune that causes you to lose your hair. And I think that's going to probably apply to the other ones too. I don't know what you want yep. to say about it. Yeah, no, I, I think you covered them in general. I mean, to, we're not going to do a whole podcast on heavy metals and parasites right now or on yeast infections. Uh, but I, I think when it, when it goes to that autoimmune disease, one thing for people need to know is, is it does include all tissue destruction. It's not just your thyroid that's getting damaged. Your thyroid is your screamer. The, it's, it's the guy that's talking the loudest in the room. Um, and that's why I like to uh, actually lab test for thyroid so often. Um even if you don't have a thyroid problem, if it starts to get mildly off, I can say, hey, there's some some type of inflammation or other system that's going wrong. And we want to make sure that 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 whole system is good. If you've got, like I said, if you're like 45 years old and think you have arthritis, I mean, you probably have tissue destruction everywhere. If you're 35 years old, a female and have Hashimoto's, it's not just your thyroid that's getting damaged. There's a lot of inflammation in the system. Now, more towards the thyroid, but the old saying in in different autoimmune courses that we've probably both taken is simply that you know if you get one autoimmune disease, you get three autoimmune diseases. Yeah, yeah. And and so it's if and and so while I like that statement because it brings the awareness to patients, the reality is you only get three if you don't take care of the first one. Correct. Correct. So take your thyroid. If I want to scare somebody to like a pack of wolves and each wolf represents a different autoimmune. So it's only a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but obviously if you take care of the, you know, the leader or the wolf of the pack, the, the, the leader of the pack, the wolf kind of pack kind of dissipates or goes somewhere else or um, feels, yeah, yeah. you know, in that analogy feels intimidated, but yeah, that's the story is like, if your thyroid antibodies are high and you get those to go down and you feel great, it's not like you need to develop a new autoimmune disease every week. If you feel great. But it's when you don't feel great and you let that perpetuate that your health goes downhill. So once again, just my encouragement um, for you to go and take care of your health, those listening to the podcast, and and make sure that they are finding a doctor they can work with that is truly holistic, not just someone that will write you a script. I get that phone call every day. I probably get that call five times a week. Hey, I need to refill my prescription. Will you guys do that for me? I saw that you treat thyroid in your office. And it's like, oh, actually, we won't do that for you. And we don't want to do that for you. Um, though we do realize that some people are on their medications already. In fact, probably 50% of the women listening to this podcast are going to be on a medication. Um, and as I said in the last podcast, the goal one is to feel good on your medication. Then we can decide if you can work with a practitioner, get off your medication. That's a whole different process than getting you to where you're functioning well. Um, and then once again, getting off of it depends on how long you've been taking that drug. All right. Any final thoughts on the thyroid today, doc? I don't know. I think we wrapped it up pretty well. I mean, this is the thyroid. It's important to deal with it. It's important to live healthy, good lifestyle. So that's going to be a general course of action that we're going to take with everyone coming in. Great. So like I said, both Dr. Gabe and I are offering phone consultations right now. 
Um, and then you can find us on Instagram and that's where we got all these questions from. So we'll do these podcasts every couple of weeks and we are going to ask you guys, what questions do you have? Um, the harder the question, the better, because those are the ones that don't get answered. Um, we don't want, we don't want to regurgitate the information that's online there. And hopefully we said something today that, you know, irritates you, aggravates you, or even better makes you think a little bit about your thyroid, um, and, and makes you take some action to get healthier. Um, but we will see you guys next week on the next podcast and find us on Instagram to ask some more questions. Thanks doc. Yep. Take care. Bye.